Hi everyone, welcome to Wemek Talks. This is Ollie, uh, just doing sort of a quick intro because as we all know, Katie and Maxine went rogue, went to Edinburgh, met a load of people, did a load of interviews and uh, yeah, basically had free reign about what they were doing, but really glad um, that they've come back with fantastic content and I can do a couple of quick intros. So this is the second part of the Edinburgh Fringe special. Uh, if you haven't first listened to the first part, go ahead and listen to that, it's really good. Uh, great chatting with Charlie C um, about all things Fringe. And also we had the amazing Dan Len from Choir of Man. Thank you so much for coming on, Dan, really appreciate it. But this is the second episode and we're very excited to talk to a couple of our members. We've got Margot and we've got Anna and they're talking about their time in Edinburgh this year where they actually met up with uh, Maxine and Katie G. That's really fun. They've got some <laughs> amazing stories about all the shows that they saw in only a few days and uh, yeah, it makes me think about improv in a completely different way. So look forward to that in the second half. But to kick us off in this episode, we have more Choir of Man men, uh, which is really exciting. We are delighted to have Connor, Alid, Adam and Dave join Maxine and Katie and they have a fantastic chat about all things Choir of Man, what they were doing musically and with choirs before uh, joining uh, this particular show and there's some of the really interesting stuff around, you know, stereotypes about men joining choirs, uh, some of the difficulties that they face, both at school um, and also in performing arts circles, um, and just sort of breaking down barriers about what they thought was possible. Um, and thankfully, the show has done a great job in helping with that. So I love listening to it. Listening to it. Uh, a lot of it is quite relatable, um, and I'm just delighted that uh, they were willing to come onto the pod. So guys, thank you so much for coming on. Um, that's enough of me babbling on. I'm going to just let you enjoy the next section, which is uh, all about Choir of Man from the guys themselves. So take it away, Katie G and Maxine. You're in for a treat. We have some super exciting guests with us, don't we, Maxine? Yes. So cool. Um, gentlemen, would you please introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm... Dave, and uh, my vocal part is tenor. Uh, I'm Adam, I'm a bass baritone. I'm Connor, I'm a baritone. And I'm Ali, and I'm a tenor. Amazing. Uh, and where do I know you from? The Choir of Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a tenor, my role is to tenor. Yes, that was excellent. <laughs> That's the best truly, thing we've ever truly done. Truly selling yeah. our ability. The yes. Choir of Man. Thank you. <laughs> Not warmed up yet. So just in case nobody got that, uh, choir of man, mm. and we're just so happy that you guys took time out before you show to come talk to us today mm. about well all sorts of things, but especially why men should join choirs. Okay. So, yes. Happy to be here. Okay. To get us started, I'd love to know a little bit about your experience with choir before you were in choir of man. Did you guys join a choir when you were kids or at any other point before you did it professionally? Um, I've got quite a big choir-related story, if anyone else wants to go what? first. The Welsh boys got a choir list. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. Just wait for the Irish one that follows. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Okay. 
When I was, I must have been about five or six, my, this is really Welsh, I'm saying, and I'm hearing myself tell this story and I'm like, this is really stereotypical, but it is, yeah. Uh, My grandfather took me to the choir that he used to be a part of and said, listen to this, and it's probably my first significant music-related memory. And I sat down and I watched these 60 guys who were minors and rugby players and all the other Welsh stereotypes. I heard them sing... Bread of Heaven, which is a beautiful Welsh rugby song as well as a hymn. I heard them sing um, a stunning version of Bring Him Home. Even though it was 22 years ago, I still remember some of the harmonies too because they were different to the... like. Yeah, so for me, choir was kind of the beginning of it. And then, yeah, 22... Oh, maths are wrong. 23. 23 years later, I'm still singing and some of those songs are songs that I still sing today, so... Yeah, it definitely started when I was very, very young and then kept going with it, yeah, 100%. Very cool. Yeah, well, from Wales to Ireland. Uh, it's In Ireland, it's almost cultural because it was, at least at the time, it's changed slightly now, a very religious country. So every school around the country had... I went to an all-boys school, so there was an all-boys choir and the girls' school and an all-girls choir, and they do every second Sunday in the church. And so I was, you know, not against my will. I enjoyed it, but you had to be in this choir. So this is where I was first exposed to very religious songs, boy soprano type stuff. I remember getting my first solo when I was in sixth class. It was um, a very religious song that I can't remember the name of, but um, it was a great introduction. Um, Yeah, looking back, a little bit problematic with religion, etc. But... In conjunction with that, I joined the youth theatre, and that's where I truly uh, learned to love to sing. But in Ireland, weirdly cultural, so a lot of young boys were in choirs, and uh, I think it's changed now, but it's uh, still a, a positive thing that became of this whole religious experience in Ireland, at least. So that's what first introduced me. Yeah, I think mine was probably, uh, I went to a couple of boarding schools after I turned like 11, uh, so I think probably when I was about 10, 11 at my first boarding school, there was, it was the same kind of thing, a compulsory choir that you had to be a part of. And we, the boarding school I was at, was a focused dance vocation boarding school. So then to have that on the other side of things as well was probably really the first time I'd ever sung. And I did that choir every week, twice a week for three years. And that was probably my first experience. And then I kind of had a big gap in the middle before I joined Choir of Van. But that was like the first exposure I had to being part of a choir. And we were, we were huge. It was a, the full school choir. So that was sort of about 150 of us. Yeah, and it was, it was lovely as well because obviously you had sort of us down in the younger side of the school, sort of 11, all the way up to the 16-year-olds. So you obviously then, by the time we got up to there, you had some really rich bass baritone voices as well. So the sound that we were able to make as a choir was actually quite lovely considering that none of us were singers first uh, which I always think was quite nice to be able to be a part of but yeah that's that's pretty much my only choir experience was those three very intense years <laughs> until choir of man so I guess my story is more quintessential of not having the option like mm-hmm. growing up I was not given the option of joining a, I was, the option was there of joining a choir but it was a choice. There was, it was very much not forced. Mm. It was almost not even encouraged. So my experience of singing as a kid was, was in assembly at school. 
Um, in fact, one of my first memories of this is that once a week, the school children were allowed to vote for what song we would sing. <laughs> and the song Autumn Days was banned. <laughs> oh, no. It's, Sacrilege. Because oh. it's a banger. It is a yeah. banger. What's wrong with that? And we, it, Because we pick it every week. <laughs> Touché. And so they said, you know what? This week, we're going to need a bit more spirit of God. So <laughs> that was my first memory of singing. And so the real, like change where it became like this is no longer compulsory was high school was going into year seven and at that point it became that big change from going to primary school to to high school was like scary and you're trying to find your feet so it took me a number of years before I even knew that like choir was a thing that there was there was even a choir at school and it took um my music teacher at the time to notice I can't even remember how we found out I think I ended up a solo singing competition and he heard me and he went you're aware there's a choir and I said no so he encouraged me to go in and so I started being a member of kind of school choirs from the age of about 14 and then stuck with it from there we did choir at um, drama school I've then gone on to do more kind of musical theatre shows where it's got a heavy lean into choir and harmony and all that kind of things and now here I am nice such different experiences. Mm-hmm. We haven't even thought about the Wales Ireland yeah. aspect of this as well. Um, it's just it's fascinating. Um, so, what was the experience like? Like, did you get any negativity about being in choir? Did you? How long have you got? <laughs> yeah. How long have you got? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I was in a choir in school and outside of school in primary school. So up until the age of about eleven and. That was the cut-off age for the choir, so when I went to comprehensive school, it stopped because I was too old. And then I remember maybe in my third week in year seven, uh, I got lunchtime detention because I forgot my PE kit. How dare you? I know, awful. I expect better. Um, (laughs) And I remember lining up, and there was this corridor, the PE corridor, where you had to line up if you were in trouble. And I was lining up there with a couple of the quote-unquote naughty kids and the opening week we had a couple of assemblies where like people would come in and do certain things and there was this ballerina this male ballerina in the upper years of the school he was brilliant but while I was stood there for detention he walked down the corridor and these two other kids sort of pushed him over and hit him on the floor and one of them used the word that rhymes with maggot and like instantly all my love for performing felt like a bad thing and I was like oh in my head I just went right okay I'm hiding that part of myself and between the ages of 11 and 15 no one in my school knew that I performed and I went to like a little stage school a stagecoach style thing on the weekends and I did that as best I could but yeah most of the people I hung around with in my like 11 to 15 is a massively formative time you're a teenage boy you're growing and no one knew the main thing I cared about because there was this one moment that just I was like okay that's the attitude here I'm not getting involved with that um, I was bullied a fair bit when I was younger anyway so I was just like let's, let's have an easy ride for once and then it was only when I was 15 that it was my grandmother actually well my grandparents featured quite heavily in this podcast there we go um, who convinced me to go back to performing because they were doing Greece and I did Greece in primary school and I was one of the T-birds and it was really cool 
and they were doing Greece. And I, oh, I know, right? Really cool. So cool. Um, it's only cool when you say it. Yeah. 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 And they um, were doing Greece in school, and Greece fell through, but then they did Joseph. And because I auditioned for Greece, they offered me the part of Joseph. And for a year, I hid the fact that I went to rehearsals from the rest of my classmates. I was part of a band as well. I was the lead singer in like the school band. Luckily, that Battle of the Bands happened a week before Joseph. So everyone had seen me singing Guns N' Roses before they saw me singing, I close my eyes. So it was marginally cooler. But yeah, it took me a good five years into school to tell my friends that actually I, I, I sing. I really like singing. So, yes, yeah, there were experiences. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah tough. Mm. And that wasn't an easy transition then, people finding out, oh, you do it. That wasn't just like, oh, great, he's our friend again. Like, it, it was a rough few months. Yeah. I can just imagine how hard, like, during those formative years, that hiding that thing that makes you who you are from everybody else, how hard that is. And then not being, I'm just glad you got to go do stuff on the weekends mm. to have that outlet. We, it's funny, actually, we've literally just come from watching Rob Madge, um, a show on in Underbelly. They are fantastic. There's a little plug for the podcast. Please, yeah, please put that out there. But yeah, yeah. their show focuses on things like that, having to hide part of who you are. And mm. I'm a straight white man. I didn't have the struggles that they had growing up, but I certainly felt a kinship. And it's the first show in Fringe where I've been sat there blubbing like a baby in the audience. Yeah. So, yep. um, yeah, it's quite prophetic timing today doing this, I think. Yeah. It's weird because for me it was the opposite. It was full steam ahead. So it was weirdly normal being in the choir because, as I, as I explained, everyone yeah. did it. So I had friends. So then I thought it was just fine. And then I did my youth theatre. I got really passionate about it. I had friends in first and second year because I was only kind of in the chorus, not, you know, too front-facing. But then I was cast as Gaston, and there was posters around the town, small town, about 5,000 people. And so after that, school was a nightmare. There were, there were death threats. There was, you know, a lot of, like, go back to wearing your spandex, the word that rhymes with maggot, all of that. Um, so it was tough. It was tough. It's, it, it, those years, they shape you. They shape every person out there their experiences they'll carry for the rest of their life um, so it was very tough this is a very sporting town the school I chose to go to is a very sporting school I love sports I love all of that if they'd seen me for me beyond the fact that I did singing on stage and performing and acting we would have gone on just fine but that was too much for, for these fellow teenagers so it was it was tough yeah I think a lot of sacrifices made and this is maybe why a lot of young guys and, and boys, and I believe it's, it is getting better nowadays, but um, this is why a lot of young men don't go into choir because these sacrifices they're not prepared to make or a sacrifice like Alan made, hiding a part of himself for four years, which is just tragic. No one should have to do something like that. So, yeah, it can be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, normally we have to pay for therapy, but you've given us <laughs> yeah. sweet things. This is, this <laughs> is a nice change. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, when we did the first episode, um, all three gents who were talking to us said it was really cathartic to have the conversation. This so, is lovely, it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How about you guys? Uh, I, I, as, a, as a dancer and as a former male ballet dancer, I cannot sit in good conscience and not correct you on male ballet dancer, not okay. ballerina. I apologise. Yeah, but that's another. That's, right. that's good. Se- but it's good segue mm. because I didn't really. My my craft was not primarily singing. I was a dancer, and I was a dancer at vocational schools. Um, I spent my time 
my formative years, secondary school, at two different boarding schools, both which were vocation-focused. The first one was just a ballet school. Like, well, that's all we did all day, every day. That's where I did my choir years. But when I moved to my second boarding school, I was a dancer at a performing arts vocational school, which obviously then you have your different factions of the performing <laughs> arts. Uh, you had your the, the actors, the musical theatre students, and then the dance students. And so while I was always around very... What, you, what I would have liked to have said would have been like-minded people, there was still, there was still a sort of divide between uh, what you, like what the, the, the men on the acting course and the men on the dance course. So it's diverging slightly from what we were talking about, and I never was like, it was, it was never to the extent that I maybe would have experienced it at uh, a regular school, but I had... I still had more experiences than anyone should have and I was in a place where everybody was there to study performing arts in one way or another. So I think it's one of those things that is more just to do with people being mindful of of what they say and and, and I don't there's a lot of people that I don't really speak to from my time at school that probably would have been my friends at school. But because we had our differences, then that's only grown further apart as they've continued down their route and I've continued down mine, which I think is also one of the things that I found quite daunting about joining Choir of Man was that I was going, I was again going to be a dancer among other non-dancers, even though we're all performing and we're all there to do the same job. And I think it was, it was one of those things that I was slightly anxious about. Thankfully, I could not have been more wrong. And joining Choir of Man, I think I've done three contracts now over the just over a year. And I have probably the most supportive group of friends that I've ever had, which is fantastic and lovely. <laughs> yeah, and I think, but I think it's just, it's one of those things I didn't have like your, which is sadly stereotypical experience of a boy in performing arts, but I still had more struggles than there should have been. Yeah, because... So I'm a big fan of So You Think You Could Dance mm-hmm. in the States. I'm sad that it only lasted a little while in the UK. And like the whole purpose of that show is just to say, you know, hey, dance is art, but it's also athleticism. Mm-hmm. It is sport. It is like they are athletes, these dancers. That show's also done a lot for uh, tap dance, by the way. It um, which is why I was like, oh, we have a tapper. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and so I'm really glad that that show's come back now in the States because it does make a huge difference. Um, because a little while ago, there was a little boy who was, no, was it one of the Royals? Yes. Yes, and, like, George was belittled for being in ballet, and I'm like, what? And, like, everybody lost their collective minds about this in the, in the dance community and the performing arts community at large. Yes. I think I, I went like... A couple of years ago, the Welsh rugby team in the off-season did ballet. Amazing. Because, yeah, you're rugby players, but we need to work on your core strength. So yeah. we're going to get you dancing. Like, it's it's not a... Yeah. Yeah, it, it baffles me that people are mocked for it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And you, sir? I think I'm, I'm very fortunate in that I've got almost the opposite experience of choirs that up until the point where I found the choir at my school, I was being quite badly bullied. And finding a group of like-minded people who appreciated me for my talents and didn't mock me and scorn me for them was really quite life-changing. An atypical experience of mine, I went to a, a performance college 
Um, so not an actual like just performing arts, but a normal secondary school that had been given extra funding to pursue performing arts. So we had a lovely, an amazing theatre space. We had an amazing studio spaces, amazing music studios, that kind of thing. So it was really, it was quite well pushed within the school despite me not knowing that there was a choir in the first place but <laughs> that's more of a marketing issue internal comms exactly comms. I wouldn't have let you down there's all the posters <laughs> there's so many notice boards why anyway um, still caught up on this eh? <laughs> I could have had an extra two years of choir yeah like, I could have think where my belt would be now <laughs> just think it would be exactly the same as where it is <laughs> I yeah it was it, there was a big group of cool I say cool you know socially accepted guys in the year above me who all at the same time joined choir and I'd just been in a small tiny little play with one of them and he said hey come along and I was like yeah yeah this is this is it was that final moment of feeling accepted and feeling like I belonged somewhere and going along and, and doing that thing was um, was amazing. And finding people that, yeah, as I said, like you're just pursuing that joy and it's that combination of, of, of emotional expression but also precision. That's the thing that's great about choir. Because like, I come from, both my parents are doctors, I came from a real scientific background, so everything was right or wrong. So choir being like, this is artistic expression, but also... Sing this note, please. <laughs> Don't sing any of the other notes. Sing this one. So it's like you can. There is the right and wrong, but there's also this this wonderful expression. But on the subjects, as as Connor was saying about sport, the way that the scheduling worked at my school is they clearly looked at it and went, "Oh, people who are interested in sport aren't going to be interested in choir, and vice versa." Mm-hmm. So yeah. they always scheduled all of the choir stuff at the same time as the rugby team practice. Yeah, I was on the rugby team. I was doing. I was meeting other people and, and meeting the kind of the kind of people who would f- frown on a choir because they don't know anyone in it. And I had to choose between choir and rugby because they were scheduled at the same time. And naturally I went to choir, so I created my own little bubble. And I think that is a huge part of what's going on and what has gone on historically, certainly in our lifetimes, mm-hmm. is that there is this idea that if you like sport, you won't like singing. And if you like singing, you won't like sport. And therefore, these two things do not mix. And so you create tribes. Like, as you said, we've just, we've just watched Rob Madge mm. and a beautiful show. Mm. But there was an easy classification because they didn't like football. Yeah. So it made sense. But for us, who are... I am a straight, white, cis-gendered <laughs> male. I can like both. Mm. Can't we do both at the same time? Why can't time? we do yeah. both? Why is there this assumption that you don't like sport and mm. singing? Mm. You don't like sport and dancing. And this, as you said, like the rugby players do ballet yeah. because it helps. Yeah. <laughs> like, there is such a crossover. The Venn diagram of sport and music and all this stuff, it, mm. it's it's huge amount of crossover. Yeah. So. You can put a ballerina, sorry, ballet dancer. Male ballet dancer. You could put a ballet dancer <laughs> into a sporting situation and give them 20 minutes and they do quite well. You put most athletes in a ballet studio and they probably end up crying pretty soon. It's yeah. like, it, yes, there's, there's other aspects to it, but like, yeah, I'm 100%.
So I think need to create a sport in which the athletes sing nine-part harmony as mm. the game goes on. It's called, the, it's called the Welsh rugby team. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're very good at it. Yes. Or the New Zealand rugby team. It's mm. not singing, but it's the hacker is... is it's performance. Yeah. Performance. Yes. Now, if they can do it over 90 minutes, we're gold. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm a big Glee fan. I'm a Gleek. But <laughs> yes. what you guys are talking about, it just reminds me, like... The purpose of Glee was about arts education, right? And how mm. important it is to have the arts in education. And that's how I grew up because I went to an international school, so I'm spoiled rotten and I know it. Um, <laughs> but I had choir as a class, mm. and but we had the same problem that you guys, that especially you were describing, because we didn't have that many guys in choir once you got to high school. Um, once it became non-compulsory, uh, the, the boys tended to drop away, but. Yeah, and then there was always the classroom sports as well. I'm really passionate about arts education because I wouldn't be me without that. Mm. And so I'm so lucky that I got that. Luckily, you guys did too in some way or another. Yeah, mm. and we're in a very existential crisis moment for that in this country mm-hmm. Yeah, right now. Is I mean, arts yeah. funding at high school level is being slashed. Absolutely mm-hmm. cut mm-hmm. away. Yeah. So it's that much more important that there are these after school clubs that there are these there is ac- there's still access to it yeah. and it teaches creativity and you yeah. need to be creative no matter what your field is mm-hmm. yeah and it there's a part of me that preaches that it doesn't even have to be like objectively good like no it's just no yeah not everything has to be this Tony winning Olivier nominated no. standard of performance like no. I went back to the same comprehensive school a few years ago my brother's eight years younger than me and when he was about 15, 16, he was in a performance of Rock of Ages. And he'd been called in at the last minute to play one of the band members who flips the bird to Stacey Jacks. Spoilers, I guess. Um, and I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> ah. And he was like, it is going to be rubbish. Don't come and watch it. But I went anyway because I've got a few friends who would work in there now. And um, it was pants. It was really bad. <laughs> But it was directed by a mate of mine who kind of knew it was because the school's got no funding whatsoever. But one thing I found really interesting was that there were seven boys in the cast. And I was talking to my old PE teacher after it, and I was like, it's really good to see like boys up there. We didn't have any of that. And she said, yeah, none of that happened before you. And it was like that, <laughs> yeah, that stuck with me a little bit. My PE teachers were actually great. My other PE teacher used to coach Wales under-18s rugby. So like, he's a man's man. And when I was 17, I sang Stars from Les Mis in a showcase in front of a lot of people, including him. And he didn't know I sang at this point. And I was really nervous because I got up there and half the rugby team and Mr. Gardner, the rugby coach, not sat Mr. there. Gardner. Not oh, Mr. Gardner. Oh, no. He's a man's man. And <laughs> I finished the, finished the first half and I came out and I was still outside the dressing rooms, which just happened to be the PE changing rooms because no budget. Um, and he comes storming down the corridor, making a beeline for me. And he goes, Alid! I go, this is how I die. This is it. <laughs> and he gets, uh, he gets like a foot away from me and he goes, what the hell were you doing singing stars? You were a Marius before a Javert. Where's empty chairs? Where's empty tables? And I'm like, I'm sorry, sir. Like, he was kicking off for me, but because I chose the wrong Les Mis song. Like, That's it, amazing. It was, yeah, and once I was, that was another moment. That, like, no one in the school knew that Mr. Gardner liked musicals. But, like, so, so it scared everyone off. The, like, rugby god in our school didn't show that side of him. And then when he did... Don't get me wrong, still terrifying, but it just that added humanity of him. The, mm. Yeah, it was 
A couple of like core memories, if you want to use the Disney phrase for me there, but yeah. He was right. What were you thinking? Stan? I know. I know. Oh my! I'm not thinking tenor. Like, <laughs> oh. I did bring him home next year. If that makes a difference, oh, but still. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so being in choir of man must be actually really cathartic with the main theme that runs through mm. about mm-hmm. men and singing. For sure. Um, yes. How did you guys get involved with the show? So we all just auditioned separately, right? Yep. Um, well, Adam's making a face. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not making a face. Some of us were scouted. No, 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 not at all. I worked. I worked for the creative team on another project mm. as a dancer and as a tap dancer, uh, just after I graduated from college, and. Then, so for the, those who don't know, listening choir of man is nine singers in a pub, but it has one number and a couple of other moments in the show which feature this incredible tap dance. So yeah, yes. don't let Adam sell himself short. He's no. incredible. Yeah. I job floor. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> the reason that Adam mentions it is because it makes Adam very uncomfortable. <laughs> he's gone red. You can't see it, but he's gone red. <laughs> no one's sweating. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, so yeah, I worked for uh, I worked for the creative team on a on a different show, and they brought me in for Choir of Man twice. Brought you in as in audition? Uh, yes, brought yeah. me into audition for Choir of Man twice. Uh, two of which those days were probably the most nerve wracking of my entire life, <laughs> um, and I didn't get the first job the first time. I didn't get it. And the second time, they offered me the job, and I turned it down because I was just like, "This is no, this is ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a dancer. I can't, I can't do, I can't do a singing show. You want me to, you want me to do a three minute tap number, and then you want me to sing for an hour? No, 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 no. And and to be honest, I think probably it's one of the best things to come out of the pandemic uh, because they came back to me towards the end of the pandemic when things were opening up, and they said, "Look." We've got a job for you. I said, great. They said, it's choir of man. I said, ah. <laughs> and it, yeah, and I, it took me a little bit of talking around to get on board with the idea of me being able to do it. I just, in my head, I was like, God, no, I'm a, like, I'm a dancer. I can't, like, this is, no. Thank you, but no. And, and eventually I, I did it and I had the pleasure of working. I worked with Alid and Connor on my first contract. And I think... It's probably safe to say, and they'll back me up here. I was a nervous wreck for the majority of it. Yes, um, crying in the corner. Huh? Yes. Yes. Mechanisms yeah. flying no. And it was, it was really, it was really intense, yeah. and well, it was. Out of your comfort zone, yeah, I was, yeah. I was massively out of my comfort zone, and like I, up until very recently, I used to refer to sheet music as flat braille. It meant absolutely, <laughs> it, yeah, it meant absolutely nothing to me. Yeah. Like so many trees could have been saved if I had not had a full score because I didn't understand how to read. It. And I think the other thing is as well, I didn't give myself the time to go, this is new, that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to not understand what I'm looking at and give myself the, like I'm a perfectionist. I like to be on the ball when it comes to everything. And with Choir of Man, I absolutely wasn't. Like it was so beyond me at the time. And I think now when I look back a year, like a year ago and I'm like, huh, Never, if I'd looked back a year before that, never did I think I would have been in a singing show. When I first took Choir of Man, never did I think that's what I'd be doing for the next year of my life. And I think that that's the other thing as well when it comes to, like, even now, I think if I was asked to join a choir, 
I would probably be terrified. And I think I would have to take a minute to stop and go, hang on, even if I'm not the most experienced, how am I going to learn if I don't put myself in that position? And it's, it's kind of that thing of you don't have to go in with all the tools. Like you can learn so much if you let yourself, if you spend the whole time going, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. You're not actually picking up what's going on around you. And I think sometimes you just have to be like, I'm going to go and try. And if it's not for me, that's also okay. But I think that most people will surprise themselves if they put them in, like if they put themselves in that situation to learn something new. And I think like choir singing, even when I did it, like I would never have admitted before that I was in a choir because it was just one of those things I had to do. It was just part of my day. But now when I look back, having a deeper understanding of what I was doing for those three years that I can now look back on it and go, actually, yeah, that I'm really glad that I did that. And I'm really glad that I did this because that's where I am now. And I think a lot of the, the time people put too much pressure on themselves and it's the whole, oh, it's too late to pick up something new. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I picked up something new in a professional environment with an insane amount of pressure, probably mostly that I put on myself, but I did that and I had, it's kind of that feeling of like, well, everyone's going to be against me. It's absolutely not. Like if I'd not had the creative team that I had when I joined the show, the boys that I had when I joined the show, I would not be where I am now in my personal life, in my professional life, in my singing career as a whole. And I think it's one of those things you have to be prepared to put yourself in a situation that's a little bit scary and a little bit uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And again, if it's, it's not for everyone and if it's not for you, that's okay. You know, you've tried, you can tick that box and go, actually, no, do you know what? It's not for me. But if you don't try, you're not going to know. Like for me, I put myself in that situation and I've massively learned and grown from it. And I've gained so much in every aspect of my life from joining this show and I think that's like such an important thing that you don't have to be amazing to start. You just have to start and then you have the potential to be better. And that's the most important thing, I think, anyway. Yeah, I think it's, it's very important to that, that idea of getting out of your comfort zone. And you said earlier on, it's a very cathartic experience now to be in Choir of Man. It is. The message of the show, I've been in it now for three years, around the world in various places the message remains the same and it's you know it, it travels everywhere no matter where we go men opening up talking the support you had at the time I'm sure helped you through and that communication that openness that uh, you know willingness to get out of the comfort zone is so healthy but it's so men don't open up they don't talk even now suicide is the biggest killer in young men it's an alarming statistic when you do the research you see that and so to link this choir in a pub, in a setting where men traditionally go to drink their worries away, to forget, not to speak, to have those hours with their mates where they go in and they just leave those problems behind or leave them at the door, as we say in the show. So to link that setting with this music, with the idea that men should open up, is such a beautiful thing. It's a reason I've come back. I'm fortunate enough to play the poet in the show, so I'm the mouthpiece of the show but all nine of us on that stage believe in that message wholeheartedly with both feet in the door talk talk to your friends rely and go seek professional help if you feel that's something you should do therapy is so important 
everyone should have a therapist. Mm. What's mm. you know, it's yeah. it's the most amazing thing. Um, it should be cheaper. It should yes. be cheaper. It should be more available. Absolutely, the amount of people who pump money into gyms to look after their bodies and exactly. their minds, like yeah. it's baffling. And they're yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's healing and music to come so together as a choir and to, to have this message with this music. There is a song in the show. It's not in the Edinburgh version, um, but it's been in every other version. The Parting Glass. It's right at the end of the show. It's in Ireland traditionally. It's a, it's a cheers to those we've loved and we've lost along the way people who've affected us in many different ways. It's a beautiful moment where we come together, we think of that special person who's affected our lives, and we just sing, and we pour emotions, and you can see the people in the crowd in floods of tears, often every single night, sharing, connecting with people in various different ways, in any way you feel you can, even if it's taking that tiny, the, the smallest step, and just stopping and saying, I'm not okay, to someone. That can, that's so important, even if it is in a pub. It's as Adam said, like it's not about doing it well, it's just about doing it. Absolutely. It's not about talking and, and being the most eloquent and the most well-spoken person. It's about just saying, hey, I'm not okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually something that the show has helped me with mm-hmm. in, like, like I said, in my personal life as well. Like these boys... I, I've sat down and had probably the most open and honest and earnest conversations that I've probably ever had in my life because even though I'm here and I'm doing a job and for me, like, I will always throw myself into everything I do and the job comes first. Like, I'm always early, I'm always prepared. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm that person that prides myself on being prepared and organised. We lived in a flat for a while and even though we had the same call time, Adam would leave half an hour before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, you stress me out. <laughs> That's not a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. But Adam, Adam remembered his PE kit at school. Yes, yes. he did. Yeah. God. Yeah, God, exactly. maybe it all goes back to that. Yeah, yeah. probably, but again, not going to unpack that one. Sorry, but no. So I, I think, like, I I've had probably some of the most open, honest, and earnest conversations with the boys in my cast because even though I'm turning up and I'm doing a job and it's my responsibility as a professional to get out and do the best thing I can on the stage for a paying audience, you're also like, even if the the message of the show is not at the forefront of my mind every day, it's still there, and it's like it's one of those things that I. Like, not because of any sort of specific reason, but just me as a person. I struggle to, like, talk about my emotions. I, I like to just... I, I like to distract myself. And when, sometimes that's with work, and sometimes that's with video games or social media. And I, I'm not very good at sitting and opening up and being like, hey, I'm not feeling the best right now. And I think even a year ago from where I was then to where I am now, like I feel so much more comfortable in myself about being able to go to any one of my friends and go, I'm having a bit of a rough day. Have you got two minutes for a chat? And it's as simple as that. And then suddenly you don't feel like you're walking around with this weight on your shoulders or this gray cloud above your head and everything just becomes a little bit easier to manage and the more that you and it's scary but the more that you open yourself up Mm -hmm. the easier it gets the more that you close yourself off the harder things get to deal with and I think that was something that surprised me and it's one of those things that people say all the time they're like yeah but talk to your friends and it no one actually hears you Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean it's it's, it's, how yeah it's an easy thing to say yeah 
it's it becomes quite a difficult thing to do but it is one of those things that the more you do it the easier it gets and then suddenly other things like it's not magic it doesn't fix everything but it does even just give you a clearer picture of what you are trying to navigate at the time and I think the more you do it but it's the same and it's like the same as like I said with singing it's scary to begin with and you might suck at it at first that's fine but the more you do something the better you're going to get at it and that goes for anything dancing singing sports academic studies talking about how you're feeling it's the same with everything without practice there will be no improvement but you have to start somewhere Mm -hmm. and I think that's something that I especially over the last year I've got much better at doing and really in the in the last probably three months this contract especially mm. I've found it so much easier to be able to sit and go actually do you know what today's not a great day but that's okay but have you got two seconds to have a chat about it and then things are a bit easier they don't even necessarily have to be solutions no. like just opening your mouth and putting something in the universe is just like ah oh. Okay, I've done that now and the world didn't end. Okay, someone knows. Mm -hmm. And um, Connor and I did this show beginning of the year on the US tour. Um, And we, yeah, I know, right? Dave's making a face. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They don't talk about it often at all. (laughs) Hardly ever comes up. Yeah. And um, we were living on a tour bus. We were away from home for about three months. Um, Both had partners at home that we missed. And we we were both going through stuff at various points. And... About once a week, I think the pair of us just ended up sitting on the bus. Everyone else had gone to bed, and we just sat there for an hour, just venting stuff. It's so unnecessary. And I reckon about ninety-five percent of those conversations was just one of us going blah, 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 and just getting all of the stuff off our chests. Like there was no necessary way to fix it, but no. it wasn't that it needed fixing. It just needed to not bottle up. It didn't. It needed to not fester and get bigger. And I mean, I don't know about you, but that got me through three months on tour. Absolutely, yeah. wouldn't, I, wouldn't I survive without it? The one you hear the most is that I don't want to feel like a burden. You know, mm. I don't want to burden my friends and family with my problem. Yeah. And that's the biggest barrier people have to get by, is that it's not burdening someone, it's just talking mm. and opening up. And if your friends are there for you, which they will be, 99% of the time you'll be surprised. Just talk. You're never a burden. So I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but often when you offload some of the things that you're feeling onto a friend, they get the opportunity to, to offload themselves. Absolutely. And so you, you're not even being a burden. You're actively being a help. You are giving a part of yourself to a friend and can allow them to give it back to you. It's a, it's a gift. It's a gift. Mm. It's a group dynamic. It's a, it's Yeah, you start a conversation. That's a two-way thing. <laughs> so that's how we got involved in choir of Man. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Amazing. I love you guys, just saying. Anyway. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, no, I, I was off sick for three and a half months from work at the beginning of the year with anxiety. Um, and I've had anxiety off and on for a long time. But, but yeah, I had no clue that I got as bad as I had because otherwise I would have said something because I've been through this before and not like this. But, um, and... I, I now don't, I have the words, I have the language because I've been in therapy. Um, and I always talk about mental health at work as well because nobody does that enough. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so everything you guys are saying, I'm just like, oh, there's hope for the world. It's amazing. Um, thank you for sharing that with us. Thank, thank, you. thank you for giving us the room to, yeah. Okay, so a little bit more about Choir of Man. What is your favorite part of being a Choir of Man man? 
<laughs> like your personal highlight. I mean, you guys have already been saying stuff like that, but yeah, if you had one highlight, just one, what would it be? A moment or something Anything. that we do routine? Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you what your favorite song is too, so. Okay, good to know. Right, fair enough. Um, <laughs> I'll go. Go on then. Yeah. Well, I think that, especially for me, as we've established, it's not something that I was comfortable going into uh, or someone like some people that I felt like I was going to fit in with I have learned something from every single individual person that I have worked with since I started this job and that's either been professionally or personally but I that's been the highlight for me is being able to learn from everyone even if it's not necessarily been like we've not been in the same field but I've been, I've been able to, I've had opportunities for a year to just constantly learn. And I think that's like, that's the thing that I've enjoyed the most. Yeah. And that's my, like my highlight of my choir man experience has been being able to learn something from everyone. But yeah, that's me. Amazing. Yeah. For me, um, I really hope she doesn't mind me sharing her story. Adele, hello, if you're listening. As the pandemic happened, she became as struck. She couldn't leave her home. She became so anxious. She, she literally couldn't leave the house. But she was a music teacher and she oh, she loved singing, she loved choirs, she loved it all. So she saw Choir of Man was on in Coventry. This is last summer. So you're not talking about the Adele, Adele, right? Not the Adele. Okay. Oh, no. That, she's so my, she's, she's my aunt, but apart okay. from that, she's not. No, but she saw Choir of Man was on in Coventry and she saw this show and said, I absolutely have to see this. And so struggled and struggled and finally booked a ticket and braved it and went outside and went to the show and, and saw it, loved it. And then through the show, she went, I believe, seven more times, eight more times in that run. And then braved going down to see the West End cast. She said it was one of the most difficult things she's done, but she braved it. She did it. Very proud. And then this year, she started her own business. She's running a choir. The show and the experience of the show changed her life. So for me, that's been a, an absolute personal highlight. Um, hello to you, Adele, if you're listening. Very proud. Keep up the good work. But for me, affecting people like that, seeing that, seeing the results of that, and it, it can even be a, a tear at the end of the show and someone will come up and say, I've lost someone and this um, final song touched my heart, something like that. It's been my absolute favourite thing and another reason I've come back year after year to, to do this show. That's my favourite thing about it, personally. Yeah, not to repeat on some of the things the guys are saying, but like the people who come to see the show are a massive highlight. Um, we saw a show the other day called On Wednesdays We Were Maroon. Um, it's a choir from Bristol Uni, an a cappella choir, and they are incredible. Like, the vocals they were coming out with, the emotions they managed to pull on with, it was just brilliant. Um, one of them's a friend of Adam's, that's how we came to see them, because they came to see us on the show, so we went to see them. And it was a almost a surreal moment, because they mentioned us in the show as a funny little thing and it was great and then they came out and I was like oh my god that's the that's the girl who sang the Bell and Platt song she was great I'm gonna go over and say hello and I went over and they all went oh my god you're a choir of man you're amazing so there's just these two shows of people who just are like weirdos who did choir in school and somehow have ended up on an Edinburgh Fringe stage both thinking the other cast is incredible and like this little joint feeling that we all got like oh my god can we take a picture yeah but only if we can have one as well like it was just yeah it was surreal in that people that we were a fan of considered them fans of us yeah um completely ruined the whole thing by having a section where they were singing songs from their childhood 
uh, and it was songs that I heard while I was at university. So yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> that hurt. That hurt me deep in my core. They but are a university. Yes, I know, yeah, but they're, they're too young and talented, and I didn't. They're not like younger it. than all of us. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. You're okay. retired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just open up. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> Moving on. Swiftly. But yes, that was um, little highlights like that. Um, and there was a there was a girl who came to see the show the other day and um, messaged me on Instagram before because she'd seen it already. But she's a music student. Uh, she's auditioning for uni at the moment and just wanted to chat before the show because she thought it was really good. And I said on Instagram a couple of days ago that we love people coming up and chatting with us. And she was like can we have a talk? And I was like, yeah, sure. Her name's Jenny. Shout out Jenny, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, things like that where something that we did on stage resonated with someone who watched and doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter if it was deliberate or just through the things that were picked for us by the artistic directors, but it, yeah, that, that doesn't get old. I'll also just mention the Wednesdays we, on Wednesday we went maroon. The group is called the Bristol Suspensions. If anyone wants to check them out, they are great. Thank you. I wanted to say that. Yeah, their group is called the Bristol Suspensions, and my friend Emily Hall is the soprano in that group, and she is amazing. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Go on, Dave. Tell them, Dave. Tell them, Dave. Tell them, Dave. So, yeah, my car run experience has been an interesting one simply because the pandemic. Like mm. that, that has been has played a huge, huge part uh, in my experience of Choir of Man because it, it kind of Choir of Man bookended the pandemic for me. That I was on my first job six weeks in when m- Friday, March the thirteenth, twenty twenty. I remember it well, <laughs> so well. The, the world fell apart. Let's be honest. Mm. Um, for many of us, for me in particular, a lot mm-hmm. happened in that pandemic, and getting the opportunity to come back and finish that was incredibly special knowing that life moved on prior of man helped me get over the pandemic and all of the things that came with that the, the those feelings that adele had of being trapped mm-hmm. um those questions we all had of whether life would ever be the same again and of course life's not the same again like you can't go back but it allowed me to remember that life is still good yeah. even after all we've been through and life uh, finds a way <laughs> yes you know. so it's not I can't think I can't say one moment it's a feeling it's a feeling and for me as someone who not unlike Adam feelings are difficult <laughs> feelings I mean. are tricky sometimes yeah. sometimes it's not about having a an isolated moment. Sometimes it's looking back six months ago and going, oh, wow, I am a different person than I was. And Choir of Man gave me that. Couldn't agree more. So I'm time-checking because I don't want you guys to be late. We've got five minutes, I think. Yeah, five, we, ten. yeah we're, we're ten minutes. That. We're yeah. gonna make it. I'm going to have cake. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> sunshine. Yes. Uh, so I want to Let ask yeah. what your favourite song is. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go into um, what I mentioned during Choir. So, favourite song, go for the show. Probably, probably Welcome to the Jungle. Uh, it's the first song we sing. Spoilers. Um, what? I know. Why? <laughs> and you guess. hear the word choir and there's a stigma that comes in your head. Like you picture a choir, it's people in robes holding a book, stood yeah. in a church. And that's almost never the case. So it's nice that people come in and if they've never seen the show, they don't know what to expect. 
and then 10 seconds later, bang, Guns N' Roses. Like, it just sort of blows the expectations off and it opens your perspective to be able to receive whatever's about to come your way. Yeah, it gets rid of your inhibitions. It's like, okay, I don't know what to expect, but I'll go for it. And I like that it starts like that. Yeah, for me, it's the, the parting glass, which is the song I mentioned at the end of the show, that that cheers to those we've loved and lost. It's a, a beautiful emotional moment, and I am Irish. It's a very meaningful song in Irish culture, too, which helps. So for me, that's my favourite. Awesome. Uh, mine would probably be Chandelier, because almost for the opposite reason for you, mm. Alan, that you sort of say, yes, we say choir, and then everything that happens in the show is not what you would stereotypically expect of a choir. And I think it's nice to be able to sit down and we all we all sit and it's the first it's the only number I think for me where I get to see everyone because obviously in a lot of the other numbers we're moving around a lot you 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 have moments with people as you're passing by but there we are all sat we are all still and it's like one of the very rare moments the only moment I would say other than the passing last at the end of the show as well where we have a moment of stillness yeah and I think for me then and also I think I have like a quiet sense of pride when it comes to that as well because when you we've been doing all the things that we've been doing and then we stop and chandelier starts it's not uncommon to get a couple of giggles because people don't really know how to take it and then what we do is we do a nine-part close harmony a cappella version of a very famous song not sung in the way that it was sung originally at all and everyone kind of goes oh right and I think for me it's just that and I think I like that because that's how I felt when I first did it as well of like we've been, we've been running around like days of intense rehearsals like running around learning all these songs like all this high energy stuff and then it was like oh wow that we can do that as well that's really cool and I think for me it was a surprise and now every time we do it in front of an audience and they have that surprise I'm like I remember that because <laughs> that's exactly how I felt as well so I think for me that's always a, a a happy moment in the show and I think I my vocal part changed from when I started doing the show to where I am now I was a tenor two which was a struggle uh, and now I'm on a baritone line so I think for me as well it's it's one of those things that I understand my journey with choir singing and music and that is like almost a, a measure for me of how far I've come. And I, I just, I really enjoy that in the show. We'll make a bass out of you yet. Yeah, all right, sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carl's already mentioned my favourite song, so I'm going to mention another one. Yeah. I love Under the Bridge. <laughs> and <laughs> for that reason in particular those of you who've seen the show will will know what that giggle is uh, I'm not going to say why so you're going to have to come and see it nice day oh, slick plug, plug. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, it gives me an opportunity to talk about the fact that I am not one of the first team if you if you put if you can think of it that way I am a I'm a cover so I learn I know the top 3 lines of the show in under the bridge is the the time when those three lines take um like it's their song so the joker the hard man and the romantic all singing together i have to know all three of those parts so learning each one and figuring out the nuance of each line in that song whilst it's still being in the uh, setting that it is <laughs> um is a lot of fun so that's a highlight. My for me. brain would explode if I had to know 
all three lines of the song <laughs> and then like do you do you ever go oh crap which one am I singing tonight no not at all yes yes all the time <laughs> <laughs> they are so criminally s- similar as well. criminally close yeah. criminally similar yeah. similar yeah. and Why sometimes easy? yeah and sometimes I'll do one one night and one the next <laughs> <laughs> that's the life right. I lead you, you did in the last uh, week of performances you have played all three parts mm-hmm. yeah nice amazing well done and it's not confusing at all. <laughs> not at all, not at all. Thank goodness they have different shoes. Mm. <laughs> okay, so in like a tweet style so short, why should men join choir? It's about community. It's about being a part of something. It's about connecting through music. Again, it's, it's about young men opening up and having that expression. I think it's so important. Being a part of a choir can do that and more. It did it for me. It did it for all of us. So do it. Join. If you're listening to this, join. I encourage you. Connor hmm. went over the character limit. That's surprising. Yeah. <laughs> I am a la poet. I didn't rhyme this time. <laughs> so there you go. You did one of those little threads. Did I just rhyme? Yeah. I accidentally just rhymed. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think I think you might surprise yourself. You might enjoy it. You might not. Either way, at least then you'll know and you'll definitely learn something. And that is an achievement in itself. So I would say... Like, what have you got to lose by not doing it? Because you might not think you have much to gain. I thought the same thing, and I was very wrong. It's incredibly satisfying doing something as a team. Choir gives you that. Also, a lot of pretty ladies go there. (laughs) (laughs) What? Where? (laughs) I mean, he's he's, he's not terribly wrong. Yeah. Um, it's worth a shot. <laughs> There's more there than there are on a rugby pitch, I'll tell you that. That's a brief insight. On a male rugby mind. pitch, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> tell him, Dave. All right, and our last reason why um, I've never been in a choir or indeed a musical singing group of any kind where everyone there doesn't want everyone else to succeed, where you can be surrounded by people who, in other walks of life, would be seen as your competitors, but they put it best. When you're on a choir, you're in a team. You're in a community, and you are surrounded by people who just want you to do well. That's a really good feeling. Also, singing is fun. Just <laughs> yeah, at a bass level. And outside of the 140 characters, there's a stigma with singing that has come from the likes of Gleek, from the likes of, you know, those kind of teen angst movies of mm. like, oh, everyone's super judgmental and everyone's really catty and everyone wants yeah, to try and take... No, your pitch no one is. You're, no one yeah, is. That is such a lie. Like, everyone... If, when a new yeah. person walks in through the door at a choir, everyone is like, yay! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one... No one is feeling threatened. Yeah. Like, you're just there happy to have someone new. Like, do it. If you have even the slightest inkling that you think that you might get judged or you might not be welcomed. My... God, you couldn't be more wrong, I'm sorry. I remember, we're going off piste a little bit, but I remember last year in Coventry uh, doing a warm-up, Dickie, who is like our, uh, as bassy as basses get, like his voice comes from the floor, um, and we were doing a warm-up and Adam made some sort of sound that as a tenor I can only ever pray to replicate. And he's just sung this really low note and Dickie, who's been singing his entire life, just looked at Adam, the new tap dancer, and went oh my god and just immediately saw him as a project <laughs> like I want to make you better I want to let that, that's, that's how it is even yeah. someone who is good at the thing that you're trying to be they want you to 
succeed. They want you to do that. And yeah. a year down the line, he's doing some fine work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're a project, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you so much. I could easily sit here all night, but you have a show to do. We, we do. do. Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll stop doing that. Rule of three. Thank you so, so much. This has been brilliant. Um, I love absolutely everything you said. And I know the choir is going to love it as well. So please let us know if you're down in London. So just let us know because we'd love to have you and see you. Come along to a rehearsal. <laughs> you are more than welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank, thank you so much. You. This has been so pleasant. great. Wasn't that great? Um, I would have loved to have been in the room for that one. But happy just to listen in. Um, guys, really appreciate your time. Um would love to come and see the show with you guys in it or any of the, you know, cohorts of Choir of Man men um, that, you know, are coming to the West End very soon. I believe KTG and Maxine will almost certainly be dragging me to that and I won't complain. Okay, um, right, time to go to our last section on this Edinburgh special. Bring on Anna and Margot. I think you're going to enjoy this one. It's uh, quite a lot of fun and uh, they certainly have a very interesting time when they go to Edinburgh by the sounds of it so we might have to tag along with them next year I have two fabulous choir members with me today uh, ladies why don't you introduce yourselves uh, my name's Anna I've been in Wemmick for coming up to three years now it's nice to meet you all <laughs> Hi, my name is Margot, um, and I go to the Fulham Choir as a soprano, uh, and I work in marketing and PR. Amazing. Um, I am so happy that you guys agreed to do this, and the reason you agreed to do it is because we found each other at the Fringe, and I thought it would be really cool to hear your guys' experience um, of the of the week that you were there. So yeah. let's start with the first question. Um, how many times have you been to the Fringe? I've been four times now. Uh, the first time I was 18, I went up as part of a university theatre group that I was in to put on King Lear. It was amazing. It was very, that lead. <laughs> it was an all female cast, so we had to change it to Queen Lear uh, instead. But it was I very love good fun. This story. Oh my um, God. And then we, I've been three times just as a spectator since. Mm. That's amazing. How about you, Margot? So mine was the uh, second time. So the first time was last year. So this year was actually great because last year was the first one after the pandemic. So I think it was the smallest one that they've ever had. So it was really nice to experience, you know, the fringe in its full kind of glory, um, a full size fringe, as it were. So that was that was very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it was my first fringe. So it was very cool to experience because, you know, I've known about it for a long time. I intend on going back. Maxine and I have like a whole plan <laughs> <laughs> to take the fringe every year. So stay tuned for more updates about the fringe. <laughs> Second question What do you like most about the fringe? Is it the shows? Is it the atmosphere? I think for me, it's really just the craziness of it. I mean, it's, it's utterly bonkers. You can see shows that, are you know utterly dire or the best shows ever um and I think the important thing with the fringe is that apparently there's no audition process or selection process so for performers it's just a case of signing up and hiring a venue and just turning up there um so that's how they put on a show so you end up with the most random shows that you'd never be able to see in London so 
Um, that's always really fun. And then just the passion that people have for theatre and the performing arts. So, you know, it's a bit like West End Live. You get people coming from all over the world or, you, or I suppose West End Live, they come from all over the country. But, you know, at the Fringe, you meet people that come from Australia, from America, uh, and everyone is just so passionate about theatre and it's so easy to talk to people and make recommendations and uh, it's just a very nice atmosphere. Yeah, I think I feel quite similarly. I think just like the really busy, upbeat atmosphere is something that I've always loved about the Fringe. Um, I think one of my favourite things is just walking up the Royal Mile when the Fringe is in full swing because you just meet so many interesting people that, as Margot said, like just come from <laughs> everywhere. Um, and it's so cool meeting so many interesting people who are so different. And yeah, like totally, you manage to see so many pieces of theatre that you may not have ever considered back in London. Um, some of them great, some of them completely <laughs> bizarre. And I like that it's not just sort of theatre shows that like you get like circus shows, you get comedy, um, you get like music, concerts, all these kinds of things. So it's really cool just the variety of what you're able to see up there. Yeah, agreed. So I basically, because I knew I was going to be overwhelmed when I looked at the website, I just immediately filtered for musicals and just left it at that because there's like thousands of shows. Right. Um, but next year, I think I want to go see some dance stuff because I saw some really mm. interesting looking posters of very cool dance related yeah. things. Um, and the other thing that I learned from Charlie C, which when you listen to the episode, you'll hear too, uh, is that there's actually lots of different festivals going on in Edinburgh in August. So I'm going to look into that too, because there's like a book festival and I'm a bookworm and I know you are too. Um, <laughs> so looking into that stuff just to try and ex explore all of the different arts related things that you can do. And yeah, I, I think I agree with you guys. I was really struck by the just passion for the performing arts everywhere. It was just a, like, everybody was happy because everybody was experiencing art in some way or another all day, which is, yeah, really, really amazing feeling. How was your experience this year? And do you have any cool story stories to share with everybody? The main thing that I think first struck me when we got there was that the bin men were all on strike. So that was so it, gross. It was really bizarre. It was honestly kind of like living in a landfill. I just, yeah. I hadn't really clocked what was going on for the first couple of days until Margot read it in a news article and told me about it. Cause we were thinking what earth is going on here? Like there's yeah. just rubbish everywhere. And I think also just from like an environmental point of view, I was kind of thinking, wow, I didn't actually realize that we throw so much stuff away, but I guess I'm going to be more conscious now. Um, yeah, I met very a very nice point. barista in a coffee shop who said to us, at least we are getting an authentic 1600s Edinburgh experience. <laughs> so, you know, you can't so argue true. with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, the theatre was fab though. We saw some great theatre, some very bizarre theatre. I think one that really sticks with me is this one that was called Babysitting Calvin. We came across um, this theatre company on the Royal Mile and I took a picture of this grown man dressed as a baby with a little like vintage 1912s of baby bonnet sitting in a pram with a pacifier. Um, <laughs> and then I got chatting to them and they were really funny and they saw us taking pictures so they offered us free tickets to the show to which we said, yeah, great, we'll come. It was just a lot of very bizarre moments of watching a grown man dressed as a baby crawling around on the floor <laughs> and crying and... There were many moments in which I kind of felt I wasn't really sure whether to laugh or just be really <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> but I think it's just one of those great fringe moments that you 
end up seeing some really random shows that you would never have come across in London and you thought you know what I'm glad that we gave it a go and good on them for giving it a go yeah because what else is art for right it's meant (laughs) to challenge you um some of it's good some of it isn't but always challenging (laughs) absolutely I think uh, for me, just um, going on from um, what Anna said um, with fly rings. So we were walking down the Royal Mile and we saw these people essentially dressed as VHS tapes. Um, and we thought, oh, that's, that's interesting. So we'll go to their show. And it was, it was honestly one of the weirdest shows I have ever seen in my life. I think it's about essentially a criminology graduate that finds tapes in a charity shop and he listens to them and it's just an old man talking about his life and then he becomes convinced that it's a serial killer and starts investigating and it's honestly it's the worst it's it's the most confusing story ever and it was absolutely loved it it was just an experience in itself I think the highlight for me was when they all came on stage and they performed a slow motion ritual dancing to as a tribute to the serial killer whilst talking about cathedral city cheese being you know a front for human trafficking and in my head so bear bear in mind that at this time it was around like one in the morning so I was just thinking this is just peak fringe this is (laughs) we have now reached peak fringe and I think that was just the ultimate experience and that's what you go there for really you just kind of have these experiences of just thinking I can't tell if I'm loving this or finding this so weird, but I'm actually having a great time. So <laughs> let's just keep enjoying it. And then we we left and what we did we do after that, we obviously went to a, the local chippy to have a deep fried Mars bar, as you do when you're in Edinburgh. So I think I we have, rounded up the fringe experience quite well. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is also something I haven't done yet. Ah, soon. Next year. <laughs> <laughs> I really admire that the chippy in which we got the deep fried mask but had loads of options on the water of which chocolate you could choose to deep fry <laughs> if the Mars bar was not to your liking. And that's amazing. I just really respected that when we walked up at about 1.30 in the morning and just asked yeah. for a deep fried Mars bar, this guy had no qualms, no issues, didn't even <laughs> bat an eyelid, was just like, yeah, sure, that'll be 4.50, please. <laughs> Well, I guess he gets lots of tourists who are just like, what is a deep fried Mars bar? I must try one. So I saw more traditional things while I was there. <laughs> um, I saw Cryer Man and I saw Spring Awakening. Um, and I hadn't seen Spring, Spring Awakening before, but I knew quite a lot about it. So I knew what to expect. But there was this guy in front of me who was just so confused and he just kept giggling at like everything that happened on stage that was vaguely sexual and there's quite a lot of that in spring awakening um so I was like wow he's having a peak fringe moment right now with a more traditional thing that shouldn't be causing this much like discombobulation so I experienced someone else's peak fringe moment um I think I think it really hits you if you see a lot of shows in the same days because after a while they kind of all blur into one and you yeah. think oh my god what's going on the <laughs> why is even by the stage end, yeah, why is we the were. audience who is this <laughs> I think yeah. we honestly must have seen a good 10 or 12 shows in yeah. like the three or four days that we were there. So totally by well the done. end, yeah. when you, you keep watching show after show and you're thinking, wait, was this part of the show or that show? Oh my gosh, it's just all one now. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, what was your favorite show and why? And um, I'm going to allow you to say more than one because I don't want you to panic. <laughs> 
Um, so for me, it was probably um, a show called The Importance of Being Earnest. And I love that play. Did you see it? <laughs> no, but I just love that play. So now I'm intrigued to see how it differs. From... So it's, a, it's an interesting version. So yeah. it's pretty much improv. And it starts off completely normal, um, you know, as you'd expect from a play called The Importance of Being Earnest, except that there's one small hiccup and it's that Ernest actually never shows up on stage. So they're having <laughs> to find an actor to play Ernest, but all the actors are playing other characters. So what do they do? Well, of course, they go into the audience uh, and they pick a member of the audience to play Ernest. And when we went, it was absolutely amazing because the guy that they picked was the most earnest looking man I have ever seen in my life. So it was just perfect. And then the play continues, but it progressively descends into chaos as more and more actors become unable to carry on with the show. So by the end of the show, it's essentially more audience than actual actors on stage, including one of the uh, members of the audience is having to do voice acting for the main actress because she loses her voice. And obviously they pick someone who's looks nothing like her and has the grubbiest kind of deepest voice and it's just the most hilarious thing to see this man standing on the side of the stage with a script um and it's just utter chaos and I just absolutely loved it it was really funny it was really creative way of bringing audience participation which is a big thing at the fringe so I think that was probably my favorite that's amazing I actually forgot about that show that was a brilliant one I think my favorite would probably be this play that we saw by um this company that's named shit-faced shakespeare um what they do is they have a cast of traditionally trained shakespearean actors and one of the actors has to act as if they're completely drunk purely for comedic effect and it's great and they have so much audience participation of like booing and clapping certain characters we saw a production of Macbeth and it was just honestly brilliant. I think we were in hysterics the whole time. Which um, character was drunk? It was the character of Macbeth herself. <laughs> um, yes, and she Macbeth. keeps sort yeah. of straying, okay. straying yeah. from the script and coming out with random sentences and just starting <laughs> conversations with audience members in the front row. And then the little compare and her sparkly jacket has to run back on and I go back and take it aside and get right now Lady Macbeth you can't be having conversations with the audience please can we just get on with the show now she's like no excuse me this is a lovely gentleman right here can you stop interrupting my conversation <laughs> um and I think that although they do have to stay sort of somewhat true to the script but I think the comedic effect is just fantastic and I think that it makes Shakespeare really accessible to a lot of people who mm. may not have otherwise ever dared to think yeah. about Shakespeare at all and I know a lot of friends including some family members as well who we've seen their shows in Leicester Square a couple of times in London and they've loved it so much that they've actually dared to venture onto the globe and try a proper Shakespeare play and ended up actually enjoying it a lot more than they thought so brilliant I think brilliant. although it's, it's aimed and sort of pitched as comedy I actually think they do quite a lot of the making Shakespeare that much more accessible to people and encouraging them to get a bit more into it. The Reduced Shakespeare Company used to be at the Criterion in London when I was much younger, but I think they went touring and I don't know what they're doing right now. And I hadn't actually seen the Shakespeare thing that they did until I'd seen the short history of America like a couple of times, which is also hilarious because... <laughs> Um, but yeah, the Reduced Shakespeare Company also made Shakespeare super, super accessible because it's 
they basically cram all of Shakespeare into a 90 minute show. And there's a bit where they um, summarize Hamlet very quickly. And there's just like this Ophelia scream and it's just like the funniest thing in the world. So yes, I, I love anything that makes more traditional stuff more accessible for today's audience. So that I'm, I'm going to go see both of what both of your picks <laughs> I am I need to go see because yeah I studied the importance of being earnest at school and it's such a funny play anyway and like the fact that they're because Ernest is also like a fake character until mm. you realize until Jack figures out that he is actually Ernest yeah. as well uh spoilers sorry guys but if you haven't read this play yet where have you been also there's a kind of funny version with Reese Witherspoon and Rupert Friend from yes a while ago so get on that and watch it or read it so yeah the fact that Ernest is just missing just like fits into that story really well it's a fabulous way of of carrying that theme and subverting the rest of the story that's amazing absolutely Ugh. and I think the thing with um improv sh- like or shows that have some degree mm-hmm. of improvisation is that you can go see them as many times as you want yeah. and they will always be completely different so there's always be there'll always be something completely new yeah I love that we, we actually saw a great improv show after that one that was like a Doctor Who themed improv show which <laughs> I didn't think I was gonna like I'll be honest I think we kind of used it as a filler show because we yeah. had a lot of time to kill but it's one of these nice fringe moments where even if you're just seeing a show to kill some time, I ended up enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would have. Um, I think the funniest bit is that they take suggestions from the audience as to what the title of the show is going to be and what the setting is. Um, I was very happy that one of my suggestions was picked as an option, which was the Battle of the Fire-Breathing Corgis. <laughs> But in the end, I believe the title was The Mysterious Disappearance of Every Left Shoe. And the setting was a random audience member's grandmother's living room in Bolton in North England. That Um, is a terrifying prospect. Because we'd all have to learn how to hop around on one foot. Like that's essentially what all the best literally what they are. (laughs) (laughs) And the amazing thing was that no matter how bonkers, I think we all we could hear, you know, people walking out um once it was over and everyone was thinking, actually, you know what, this could have been an actual Doctor Who episode. It really could. I think anyone who's seen the latest season of Doctor (laughs) Who will totally agree that to be honest, literally anything goes. And we were thinking, you know what, I I buy it. This could totally have been a Doctor Who episode I think Um, I just love all the slapstick comedy the improv I think mm. the actors are actually really really talented to be able to think of that on the spot it's it's really really good I still haven't seen the play that goes wrong (gasps) I know (laughs) it's Um, brilliant yeah I've seen some of the the show that goes wrong on tv which is amazing um so yeah I think I'm gonna make it my mission to go watch the play that goes wrong so um, yeah. So this is another funny moment at the Fringe, actually. Um, I was, because I've always been a huge fan of uh, Mischief Theatre, who are the team who put together the Goes Wrong shows and the play. And uh, we went to see this um, murder mystery show. It was interactive and basically the audience is given clues and has to solve the, the murder. Um, and in the audience was the um, original writer for Mischief Theatre. So I was trying really hard not to find girl, but... <laughs> Managed to do quite well, but yeah, it was a, it was quite a nice moment. Like, oh my god, there he is! <laughs> Last question: Are you going to go again next year? I uh, hopefully, yeah. This time next year, I'll be completing my degree to become a registered nurse, which is oh, really exciting. Very so cool. 
I'm really hoping that once my final clinical placement is over, I really can't think of a better way to celebrate than yeah. going up to the fringe and seeing more crazy theatre. I think each year is honestly just like the highlight of the summer is fantastic. And it's such a great way to spend your time with friends as well, seeing mm -hmm. theatre and just enjoying the atmosphere. Yeah, I'll definitely try and go up um, next year again because it's, it's so exciting. It's such a nice time, uh, maybe slightly earlier in the month. Um, because I think um, more shows are open. So I think when we went, it was the last week or it was the the week leading up to the last one. So I think there's slightly more shows open and obviously there's more tickets earlier. So Then I will most likely see you there again, ladies. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> All right. Any final stories you want to share or any like why, if you haven't been to the Fringe yet, this is why you should go or anything like that? I just think, yeah, if you want to experience the French, it's definitely something. I think obviously listeners to this podcast would be keen theatre lovers. Somehow I've got an inkling that's the that's the case. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> somehow, somehow. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely an experience that I think everyone should have at least once. If only, you know, to find that you don't like it and never come back again. I think it's it's such a a unique thing and we're quite lucky to have it in this country you know we just have to take the train so we're quite lucky with that again as I mentioned there were people who were traveling from Australia from America so uh, and the shows the shows aren't actually that expensive surprisingly um, they're only about you know 15 pounds at the most most of them will be around 10 pounds so you can see quite a lot um, and you can see quite a lot compared to London where you'd be more likely to spend about 30 pounds so that's also something that you know budget is an issue it's really not in terms of shows you can see a lot and a lot more than you would in London I love that like the length of most of the plays are a lot shorter than mm. most of the big productions that you would see in London too so I think that you're able to cram a lot more in so I think it makes it really fun like the more you see the more you can compare them to each other and find shows you love shows you don't love but were a good experience I think it's just such a nice way to make memories to look back on and gives you something to talk about and smile about years from now. Thank you ladies so much okay, for coming you. and talking to me about your fringe experience. And like I said, next year, copy on me. Yes, definitely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a lot of fun. Um, thank you so much, Anna and Margot. Um, I don't think I can ever really look at the importance of being earnest quite the same again. Um, one of my favorites as well so yeah very jealous cool everyone thank you so much for listening it's been a lot of fun for me to listen to this and to edit it and uh, yeah mostly I just want to say thank you to all of our guests and there's a lot of them so Dan Charlie C thank you so much for everything in episode one and then Anna and Margot thanks again for coming on and uh, sharing your Edinburgh uh, stories and then Adam Allard Connor and Dave, you were an absolute treat. Love the stories. Love the fact that the rugby master uh, was giving you grief about choosing the wrong Les Mis song. So for me, that was that was hugely resonant. And then some of the discussion about mental health and um, just guys looking out for one another is is really such an important message. And uh, I think if you haven't seen Quiet Man yet, you'll appreciate that that is a very big theme in the show. Cool. So. Maxine and Katie G, you went rogue. You asked if I would forgive you. I suppose I will forgive you. Mostly because you came back with 
amazing guests, really fun and interesting stories, and clearly are going to be taking me to see Choir of Man very soon and then Edinburgh Fringe next year. So, frankly, it would be rude of me to bear a grudge. So, ladies, well done. That was so good and really appreciate you taking the mics up there um, on what was, you know, meant to be a little holiday, but it turned out to be a work event. But enough of potential satirical commentary uh, for the UK in 2022. So all that really leaves me to say uh, is that we have only a little bit of time left before the start of term. That is going to be the week commencing 19th September. So really excited about the repertoire that's coming up, um, all of our venues, new members, tasters are plenty. Um, but I think just a quick one, uh, we are doing a little bit of a recruitment drive. We need more tenors and we need more baritones. So if you're an existing member, please think about friends of yours who might be able to sing tenor and baritone lines. We'd love to have them join the choir, so make sure that you push them to have a taster session with us in the coming weeks. They're going to love it, and I think it's going to be a really exciting time for choir moving uh, to the end of 2022. Talking about exciting times... um, Thanks to all your support and listening to the podcast. We are in actual need of having our own dedicated social handles, which are you may have seen have gone live this week. But if you haven't, then please go on Twitter and Instagram and follow at Wemek Talks. Uh, it'd be fantastic if you could support us on those uh, on those specific handles. All the sort of content uh, that we're bringing out over the next, um, you know, coming weeks and months, we'll be going on there, so we're not spamming the uh, the main uh, social channels for choir. So that'd be wonderful if you could do that. And as a small token of our gratitude for doing that, we can probably announce that we're going to have some West End performers and stars coming on the pod very soon. In fact, we've recorded a couple of them already. They are very much on the cutting floor and ready to come out. So please make sure that you like and subscribe. Keep an eye out for when the episodes drop and then you're going to hear some fantastic content from some amazing guests. And we thought it was a great start having the Choir of Man guys come on. Uh, But it is only the beginning. We've got some fantastic people coming on and we're literally pinching ourselves that we have been able to do this. And uh, yeah more of that to come so once again thank you so much for listening we really hope you enjoyed this additional content uh, for edinburgh fringe and over the summer in general if you haven't listened to the other episodes please go back and have a listen Uh, they're all available on spotify and we're going to have more places for you to listen to the pod as well so that's another exciting development so um, soon i will be able to mention where else you can listen to the pod but for the time being thanks again hope you enjoy and um See you all very soon at a rehearsal venue soon enough. Cheers, guys. Bye.